This is episode number 563 for Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. Mile marker 245. Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science. And a whole lot more, and this is Science Wednesday. Yesterday, I gave you a little hint as to where we might be headed today. And after a couple of interesting thoughts crossed my mind, I came close to changing my mind. But then last night, I thought, you know what? There's some interesting information about mountain climbing especially high-altitude mountain climbing. So we'll get into that aspect today. And I guess I should introduce myself just in case this is your first Weather Jazz episode. I'm Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. And I am the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast. We've been around approaching 20 Years, how about that? And just within the last couple of years alone, we're approaching 120,000 downloads of Weather Jazz. And I would like to thank every single person who is listening to this podcast and makes it a regular part of their routine. I certainly do appreciate that. And I especially appreciate those elite people who step alongside me financially to make Weather Jazz the very best that it can possibly be. At the end of today's program, I will go through that list. I normally do it on Friday, but I've got five programs scheduled this week. This is the third day in a row that I've released a Weather Jazz episode. Before we get into today's topic, let me first of all give you a quick weather recap for the Ohio Valley Dew points are nice and low. We're in the low 50s, very comfortable, and temperatures have rebounded much closer to normal. So you're probably wondering, what is normal? I do like to mention that on the television broadcast a lot because it tends to give us a reference point for the forecast, whether you're at normal, above, or below. So right now, here we are on September the 20th, And the average high temperature is 75, mid-70s, essentially. And that's pretty much where we're at right now. A few degrees higher in some cases. I saw 77 at Hopkins Airport, but with a dew point of 51, uh, that is certainly very, very doable. Satellite also showing mostly clear skies. The cloud cover from this morning pretty much disappearing and leaving us with really a truly stunning day. The color of the atmosphere, the color of the blue is delightfully deep indeed. And it looks like we will pretty much do a cut and pace forecast going into Thursday and Friday. A little cooler going into the weekend, but only by a handful of degrees as a weak backdoor cool front comes in. But the front will come through without any fanfare whatsoever basically remaining partly to mostly sunny most of the time. So let's talk about mountaineering. Not just any mountaineering. Extreme 
mountaineering. In other words, climbing some of the Earth's highest peaks, well over 20,000 feet. And you might think initially that that's impossible, but of course it has been done many times over now, and even for Mount Everest. There are expeditions and teams and companies that essentially put together a program for virtually anybody to climb Mount Everest. Now, naturally, there is a certain requirement physically in order to do that. Needless to say, climbing Mount Everest is a major undertaking. And not just from a pure mountaineering standpoint, logistics are required. First of all, Mount Everest is in a remote location. It's not easily gotten to. It's not like hopping on I-90 or I-80 and just driving to a trailhead. It takes a little more planning. Not only that, the physical requirements for acclimation all contribute to a very lengthy expedition. Now, let's go ahead and do a little comparison. The highest peak in the U.S. is in Alaska. It's Denali, peak 20,310 feet. For the average mountaineer who is serious about getting to the summit of Mount Denali, it is roughly a three- to four-week process. But the average expedition, even the casual ones, to the summit of Mount Everest, they take two months minimum. One of the popular routes of Mount Everest is the southern route. And in order to reach the very first base camp, it takes some time to get there. After reaching that south base camp, climbers then spend the next several weeks just ascending and descending in between the next couple of base camps that, in order to properly acclimate to the very, very thin atmosphere. Additionally, with each ascent and descent, Climbers are taking provisions, food, equipment, and taking it from one base camp up to the next base camp. There are several camps along the way, and you simply cannot go to the summit all in one shot. It can't be done, and it shouldn't be done because of the physical exertion and the very slow process by which the body acclimatizes to the very, very thin atmosphere and lower pressure. From the south base camp up to camp one, typically the climbers take about two to four hours to get there. The next step is to go to base camp two from camp one, back and forth. Same process, taking equipment from camp one, bringing it to camp two, acclimatizing for a short while, going back to camp one. And that ascent and descent roughly takes climbers in the six to eight hour range. You may be wondering, well, where does Camp 2 sit in elevation? That's at 21,000 feet. And if you're doing that in meters, that's 6,400 meters. During this time, food, equipment will continue to get moved from Camp 1 to Camp 2 as people will eventually prepare for that push toward Camp 3, which would be the final camp. And that one sits at 23,000 feet or 6,800 meters. 
Camp three, by the way, is the final point at which you can continue to acclimatize to the altitude since Camp 3 is right at the edge of what is called the death zone, essentially 26,000 feet or higher. Anything above 26,000 feet is considered inside this death zone. And this altitude earned this ominous name because at this elevation, essentially the partial pressure and the oxygen levels are so low that life essentially becomes unsustainable. And most climbers, for that matter, must use bottled oxygen to simply survive. Going from Camp 2 to Camp 3, the hike basically is two to three hours of climbing. Now, what happens after a successful summit assault? And that does happen quite a bit every single year. However, what you simply do is reach the top Soak in the views and immediately start heading back down the mountain. Climbers simply want to get out of that death zone as quickly as possible. Now, while it certainly is possible to descend back to the initial base camp from the summit in one day, most expeditions will spend one more night at Camp 2 before finally finishing their descent back to the base camp the next day. So you might ask this question, I certainly did, how many people, if any, ever went to the summit of Everest without using supplemental oxygen? And yes, there have been. The total number, 216. Now, the number of people who actually tried to summit Everest without supplemental oxygen was higher than 216. However, there were some fatalities involved with people who succumbed to the physical pressures of not having that luxury of supplemental oxygen. And really, at that altitude, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity for most climbers. Let's look at some stats and let's look at climbing by the numbers. And let's do it in modern time. From 1990 until 2021, we can see that 133 members, not Sherpas, summited without supplemental oxygen. However, 39 have died, or that would be about 30% of those that attempted to climb without oxygen. Now, this rate compares with the over 5,000 members who did summit with supplemental oxygen. And in that group, 2.5% or 133 out of that 5,000 perished on the mountain. One final stat as we wrap things up on the globe's highest point, Mount Everest, over 29,000 feet high, is the fact that over the years, there have been a total of 10,656 successful summits, and that's up to December of 2021, So likely there are a few more added to that number, but suffice to say, it is now beginning to approach 11,000, the number of people that have been successful at reaching the summit of Mount Everest. Again, that's not the kind of thing that you decide you're going to do one day, like a lot of even our higher mountain peaks. 
in, for instance, the Northeast. You can do that to the summit of Mount Washington, which is certainly a very arduous climb, but that's 6,288 feet high. Now, granted, it does take a full day to climb to the summit and then back down again. However, it is nowhere near the kind of intense training that is needed to summit the world's largest peak in Nepal, Mount Everest. I certainly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please tell someone about weather jazz, especially if they tend to enjoy weather, science, and earth science. And on Fridays, many times we go off topic and hopefully always keep those interesting too. Special thanks to those of you that continue to partner with me to help cover production costs. They are Bill and Judy Martin in Florida, in Vermont, Victoria Singer and Kean Galunas, and in Ohio, Erica and Larry Shaw, Brian and Christine Barnes, and Will and Tonya Krauss. We'll see you tomorrow with another great episode right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe.